Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode 14 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host, Timmy G, your favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, and this is your favorite Boston Celtics podcast. Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Banner Banter Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast and on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. lot to talk about this week, and we got a new segment for you. It's short, it's sweet, but it's to the point, and I really think you guys will enjoy it. So let's break down what happened this past week for the Celtics in the three games that they played, and as always, we'll also have your sudden dud of the week and a Banner Banter investigation. So the Celtics went 2-1 and one this week, 6-3 and three on the year. They're currently fourth overall in the East and second in the Atlantic Division as of right now. They're 3-1 and one at home, 3-2 and two on the road, and they have the 27th worst the 27th worst offense in the league. That's right. I had to say it twice, even though I did stutter, but I did have to say it twice to make it perfectly clear that they have the 27th worst offense in the league, but they have the best defense in the league based on defensive rating. So if we can kind of get that up into the middle, you know, 15 best offense and keep the number one, number two best defense in the league, I think the Celtics will be in good shape. But for right now, the offense sucks in plain English. It did get better. You know, they scored a lot of points against the Bucks. They broke the 100 mark every single game so far in the past week. So that's good, but we still need it to get a little bit better. But before we get into all of that, let's just talk about Robert Williams. Yes, I am on the Robert Williams fan wagon. I am currently the driver. Hop along. He made his main Red Claws debut the other day. 24 minutes, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 blocks. Very impressive debut for him. He had to wake up the next morning at 4.20 in the morning to catch a plane to meet the team in Indiana because the team wanted him there to play against the Pacers, depending on what was going on with Aaron Baines. Sure, you know, he's cleared to play. He played all the games this week, but obviously the hamstring injury kind of sucks for him right now. And then obviously the injury to Daniel Tice, which we'll get into in a little bit. So he had to come back, and guess what? He didn't miss his flight. I I think that's why we're starting this off. Robert Williams did not miss his flight, and that is very, very important. I want everyone to mark that down. Robert Williams did not miss his flight the other day, so good for him for not missing his flight growing up right in front of our eyes, which is huge, and the fact that in 24 minutes he had 11 and 10. That's very, very impressive. All right, well, let's kind of break down all these games that the Celtics had this week. First off, let's start with the Pistons game, which was on Tuesday at TD Garden, another home game for them. They won 108-105, to 105, obviously a little bit different than a couple Saturdays ago when they played the Detroit Pistons, and at one point it was up like 30-plus points, and they absolutely destroyed them, but that's okay. That's what home and homes are all about, figuring things out. Obviously, the Pistons did a good job trying to control the Celtics' offense, their ball movement, so that was that was good to see. The, the reason why the Celtics won 
this game, I believe, is because of their defense in the third quarter. They only allowed 13 points to the Pistons in the third quarter, and that was huge. I know I've talked about in previous podcasts that the first quarter defense has been huge for the Celtics, but lately the way that the Celtics have been playing in the second quarter, and I swear to God the way that they've been playing every single time in the second quarter since the Brad Stevens era has begun, really the first quarter defense really isn't helping them because the Celtics can't do anything in the second quarter in any way, shape, or form, and I don't understand it, and it drives me nuts, and it's so bizarre. It has nothing, like, it's weird because it, it has nothing to do with the bench, I don't think, because I think our bench is very deep, and they're very they're very good, but for some odd reason, if we're up 13, like we were against the Pacers, which we'll get into in a bit, or four or five or 12 or we're down we can't figure out the second quarter so for the Celtics to come out at halftime to make the proper adjustments and only allow the Pistons to score 13 points is great but the negative is because they were up so big they were up like 12 or 13 points and in their eyes they're like we got this game we just destroyed them we're good they then gave up 34 points to the Pistons in the fourth quarter which was infuriating, made the game a lot closer than it should be, and they only won by three points when they probably should have won that game by at least a dozen. And that was extremely frustrating. The positive news about that, though, is a gentleman by the name of Kyrie Irving shot 62% from the field, 31 points, five boards, five assists. Obviously, Kyrie's best game of the year. He was wearing the brand-new Kyrie 5s. They were actually called the Tacos. They literally said Taco on the sneakers, so salute to Kyrie for that. And it was great to see Kyrie just kind of be back in his natural form, have a good game. I mean, it wasn't obviously his best game, but it's one step closer to see if Kyrie Irving is officially back or not. He shaved his head, the fro's gone, and it seems to be working out for him since then. The other great thing was Aaron Burns, Aaron Burns, Aaron Baines finally returned to the lineup. He didn't start, which is fine. I'm surprised he didn't start, especially with Drummond in the lineup and stuff. But he returned. He was 3 for 5 from the field, had 9 points, was the second leading scorer off the bench, obviously behind standby your man Marcus Morris. And we'll get in we'll, a lot of Marcus Morris talk in this podcast, I'll tell you that right now. And he only shot two three-pointers, which is okay. Now, I know earlier in the year I mentioned that I was okay with Aaron Baines taking some three-pointers in the corner. And maybe it's just because, like, whenever playoff basketball is around, I, I, I'm just, like, blacked out. I'm so focused on, like, the ball going into the hoop. Aaron Baines's shooting mechanics make me so uncomfortable. Like, for someone that strong to shoot that awkwardly, and it looks like it takes him that much, and it's so difficult for him to do it, really makes me feel a way that I don't want to feel. Like, it literally looks like he's pushing, like, a 12-pound rock to the basket, and it's just the basketball. And Aaron Baines is huge. He's a tough guy. He's Australian. He's probably played rugby at some point in his life. I'm pretty sure a little basketball that's, like, the size of his hand, he can push properly in. But the way that, like, he jumps like a figure skater... And it's so bizarre, like his right foot goes forward, his left foot goes back, and it looks so difficult. And now I regret saying shoot as many threes as you want this year, as long as they go in. I mean, sure, if he wants to shoot two a night and he shoots 50% from the field, I'm fine with that. But the Pacers game, he kept jacking him up, and I wanted to, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was like, stop doing it. It's, it's making me so uncomfortable. It was, it, oh my God. But anyways, Aaron Baines is back. His hamstring's feeling better. He's still not at 100%, and that's fine. But the game of the week, you could argue, because the Pistons game was that great too, but I think the game of the week and a very important win for the Celtics was against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks came into TD Garden on Thursday night, TNT, national televised game. 
undefeated team. Giannis Antetokounmpo first came back from his concussion protocol that he just went through. And, I mean, he scored over 30 points, and he was absolutely incredible. Jalen Brown did not play in that game. Semi Ojale with a surprise start, but when you actually think about it, Semi Ojale is a great defender. He's big, he's physical, and he can do a great job on Giannis. And he did an okay job on Giannis, you know, reasonable. I don't think Jalen could have done any better. I don't think Marcus Morris could have done it any better. And I liked that Brad was like, you know what, Semi, here's your shot. And Semi actually played okay. He scored a few points, and... I, I wasn't upset with the decision that Brad had. Semi obviously played a lot of key minutes for the Celtics last year, late in the season, and you know he played a reasonable amount of minutes in the playoffs, and he looked like he improved in the summer league. So I was okay with what Brad did here. And one of the things that I found very interesting since Jalen didn't start, the ball movement without Jalen Brown in this game was really, really, really good. The ball was all over the place. And I'm not saying Jalen Brown stalls out the Celtics offense but there are some times where Jalen just doesn't make that extra pass and wants to attack the basket and I feel like I mentioned that earlier in the podcast I think it was like episode five or six and you know might have been four might have been seven but I know that I mentioned that Jalen Brown I feel like because he knows Gordon Hayward's behind him not like really behind him, but in the starting lineup that he doesn't want to lose those minutes. He doesn't want to lose those touches to him. And Jalen Brown is making decisions that really aren't ideal for the team where he could make the extra pass, but instead he just puts his head down, drives to the basket. And next thing you know, causes a turnover, a bad shot, a missed shot. And you know, Hey, if it goes in good for him, the way that the ball was moving, was almost just like Jalen Brown. Interesting. Celtics are pretty good without him. If the ball can zip around, then the starters can have 24 out of the 30 assists that the Celtics had in this game, and Jalen Brown had zero of them, and Semi Ojale had zero of them. Al Horford had eight of them. I mean, Tatum had five or six assists in that game, too. It's very... I don't know, just keep an eye on it, because maybe Brad will just be like, hey, you know what, Semi, come off the bench again. I don't think he actually will, but just keep an eye on it to see if Brad changes the starting lineups. Now, I know we've talked about this before, starting lineups aren't the most important thing for the Celtics, it's really who's finishing the game, and Jalen's finishing the game, but we need to keep an eye on Jalen and the ball movement around everything and anyone, because Jalen didn't play, guess who had his best game as a member of the Boston Celtics? Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was absolutely fantastic. He looked so much more comfortable on the floor. He had 18 points, 6-11 from the field. Great, great game. Like, you could say Gordon Hayward is back in that game. He's obviously not officially back yet. He had an alley-oop in the Pacers game from Terry Rozier. It was very nice, and he could get up, but just not as high as he used to be able to. But he will get there down the line when he becomes more comfortable and he actually gets all that strength back in the ankle. So, again... Very interesting that Gordon Hayward's best game is without Jalen Brown. Now, I'm not trying to cause some drama here. I'm just trying to put something in your ear that Gordon Hayward might be better when Jalen Brown isn't on the floor. Now, Jalen Brown didn't, uh, Gordon Hayward didn't play that great against the Pacers. He only shot 2 or 10 from the field, and Jalen Brown played very well against the Pacers, and he was coming off a foot injury. So, I don't know. It's... It's weird to see, you know, like, let's say, like, right now, do you want Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown on your team? If you are an NBA GM, who do you go after? I don't know. Like, I know that was a little bit of a long pause there, but I, I really don't know. I mean, they both bring different things to the table. Sure, you might want to say right now, contract-wise, Jalen Brown, health-wise, Jalen Brown, because Gordon's coming off in an injury, making max money. So it's tough for a team to decide. But 
Oh, Jesus. I just burped again. Wow. It's just very, very interesting to see that Gordon plays better without Jalen Brown. It's very, very interesting. Now, the big thing that we really have to talk about about this Bucks game is they broke a franchise record. The Celtics scored 24 three-pointers. They hit 24 three-pointers. Franchise record was 19. Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. 24 of 55 from three-point range. 55 three-pointers in one game is just mind-blowing. But the ball was moving around. They had a lot of open shots. They took them. They stuck them. Got to be happy about it. But because I like to be a little bit of a negative Nancy sometimes, you bring you guys back to earth. It's a little nervous. I'm I'm a little nervous that the Celtics need to break franchise records to beat the Bucks. I know we had the toughest series against them in the first round. We were matched up very well with them. We have a great team. They arguably have the best player in the Eastern Conference in Giannis Antetokounmpo. But for the Celtics to need 24 three-pointers to only beat the Bucks by four, that's a little, little nerve-wracking and not really ideal. Again, I know it was only the eighth game of the year, but you need to stop and think and say to yourselves, hmm, this really isn't that great. But with that being said, I have another weird connection with a franchise record and a banner banter investigation, so let's get into it. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's banner banter investigation is about former Celtics player Tony Delk. Now, Tony Delk was a part of the 2002-2003 Boston Celtics team who made the most three-pointers as a team in franchise history in one season, 719 three-pointers. Now, this current Celtics team is obviously well on their way with the way they're shooting three-pointers. I'm pretty sure they don't even know a layup or a dunk exists at this point. So we'll, we'll see if this Celtics team can actually break the season record when they just broke the single game record. So 719 three-pointers, keep that in mind. Tony Delk was a part of that team, and Tony Delk actually had the highest three-point percentage on that team at 39.5. He made 120 out of 304 three-pointers, which was second most in the team behind Antoine Walker. And yes, I'm doing a little Antoine Walker jiggle right now. Feels good. Feels good. Now, Tony Dell really didn't have a long career with the Celtics. He only played two seasons with the Celtics, played 89 games. He started 55 of those games, but he played in the NBA for 12 years, and he was on nine different teams, including the Celtics. He was mostly known for his play at the University of Kentucky. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets in 1996 as a 16th pick in the first round. But Tony Delk's career at the University of Kentucky was incredible. He won the most outstanding player in the Final Four tournament in 1996, the year that Rick Pitino led the Kentucky Wildcats to a national championship. He has his number retired there, number double zero. He was the SEC Player of the Year. He was a couple first-team All-Americans, first-team SEC Player of the Year. And it's really funny that he also played with a lot of former Celtics on that Kentucky team. Walter McCarty, Antoine Walker, Ron Mercer, some classic Celtics players. And, you know, I should probably do a Ron Mercer banner banter investigation, but... I really didn't like Ron Mercer when he was here. He was kind of like my Marcus Smart back in the day, you know, so much talent, but just played like such an idiot sometimes. But then again, Rick Pitino was his head coach, and Rick Pitino can suck it. 
But now he is currently a broadcaster on the SEC Network, and he was a, an assistant coach at New Mexico State for a bit, and he also joined John Calipari for a bit on Kentucky staff as well. But it's just I just wanted to kind of bring in, you know, we did last week the most three-pointer Celtics made in a quarter, and now we're doing most three-pointer Celtics made in a game. So I just kind of want to bring it all together. Once again, a little circle of life edition of the Banner Banter Investigation, and that is all about Tony Delk. Okay, now let's get into the most frustrating game of the week, the heartbreak game of the week. Celtics lose in Indiana. That's tough to say, in Indiana. Yeah, anyways, they played the Pacers on the road. The first game of their five-game road trip in nine days, five games, nine days. First night was in in, in Indiana. And let's be honest, the Celtics just let, let this one slip away. They were up 12, 13 points at one point in the game, but you know they were down 7 nothing, 8 nothing early in the game because they went 0-for-8 from 3 to start. I believe their first 12 shots, 8 of them were 3-pointers. And we could all be upset that you know the Celtics missed a lot of shots, but they were all great looks. They were all wide-open shots. Now, would I love for them to take a world-famous Avery Bradley step in right at, you know, a long, nice long stride, long dribble, put that ball on the floor, shoot it? Sure, absolutely, especially with the way that Marcus Smart was awesome in this game. He really was, and you guys know I really don't like to, you know, give him a, a lot of props, but his stat line in this game was through the roof. He had only three points. He was a plus 12. He had three steals, nine assists, was one for seven from the field, one of four from three-pointers. He had a team-high plus 12. So the Celtics were 12-plus points better than the Pacers when Marcus Smart was on the floor, but he went one for seven from the field. That's not the most Marcus Smart thing you've ever heard. I don't know what is. His defense on Victor Oladipo in the first half was absolutely incredible. Spot on. Really, really good. Victor Oladipo kind of turned up the heat a little bit in the fourth quarter, especially when he hit the game-winning shot with about four seconds left, about three or four feet behind the three-point line, right in Kyrie and Al Horford's face. But going into that, the Celtics have now taken 101 three-pointers in the last two games. Think about that for a second. They took 55 against the Bucks, 46 against the Pacers, and barely pulled out wins both times. I, I, I won't get it. It, it's very confusing, but they're getting like great looks. Like Gordon Hayward did not shoot the ball very well, as I previously mentioned, but all of his looks were reasonable. Like you could, you weren't like, oh, why'd you take that? You know, like you would you know, with a Marcus Smart wide open three pointer. Like Gordon Hayward's wide open, you're gonna go, hey, you know what? You go ahead, you shoot that, and he did. It, they just didn't fall, and that's basketball. Eventually, they will fall, and especially with Gordon, he's gonna need that confidence. But the thing that I really didn't like about this game was Al Horford. Now, I've always said the Pacers, I've said it every, sing, every single chance I can on this podcast, the Pacers are not a good look against the Celtics. I believe the Pacers, I believe the Bucks and uh, the Magic, those teams, athletic bigs, they're just not a good matchup for the Celtics in any way, shape, or form. And Al Horford, late in the game, I understand he got a nice, big, with authority, with anger, dunk on Miles Turner. But before that, Miles Turner owned him. Miles Turner is getting better and better by the day. With that being said, he did get benched for Sabonis, and Scal mentioned it on the broadcast. But Scal, like, and he's so right. Why the Thunder traded Oladipo and Sabonis for Paul George? I'll never understand. Like Sabonis, the game before the Pacers game, 
I mean, before the Celtics game, when he was playing for the Pacers, literally did not miss a shot against the Knicks. I think he was like 11 for 11 or 12 for 12. Like, that's great, especially off the bench. But late in that game, Sabonis killed the Celtics in the third quarter. Baines couldn't control him. Horford couldn't control him. The pick and pop, the pick and roll, the pick and slide, like you name the pick and insert some form of basketball term. Sabonis and Oladipo or Sabonis and, oh man, what's his name? Tyreek Evans were were great. Like Tyreek Evans is exactly what the Pacers needed and probably what the Pacers could have done to beat the Cavs last year. They just needed some extra scoring on the bench and they didn't have that. And Tyreek Evans is the perfect guy for them. And Tyreek Evans played very well for the Pacers as well. Kyrie... Kyrie hit these incredible three-point shots. Like, I don't understand how they went in. I don't understand how he got them off. I don't understand any of it because that just shows the greatness of Kyrie Irving. But he then missed a layup. Brad created this unbelievable uh, after-timeout play for Kyrie to come back door, catch the ball right in the block, right up against Corey Joseph, and literally hit a layup, and he missed it. So he missed all of these... He missed the layup, but hit all of these insane three-pointers, which brings us to our newest segment. Is Kyrie Irving officially back? No. All right, Daniel Tice. Let's talk about him and his injury update. On October 27th, he tore his plantar fascius in his right foot, and they said he was going to be out for a bit. He actually told reporters a few days later he'd be in a walking boot for up to two weeks, And then, guess what? The doctor looked at it, changed it, and he was out of the walking boot in Indiana. So maybe Daniel Tice can be back before the end of the year. Maybe Christmas is a good idea, but I feel like if Daniel Tice can be back for January, a lot of home games, that way they really don't have to travel, won't swell up that much, etc., etc. I really hope Daniel Tice can be back in time for the big January stretch. Celtics have so many home games. They could really, really take control of the East, the Atlantic Division, and their own record and their destiny on how they're going to finish this season. Because at 6-3 and three right now, I'm not upset. Should they be probably 7-2? and two? Yep. 8-1? and one? Mm, Maybe. But at least 7-2. and two. But like I said last week, if they finished this past weekend 2-1 and one and not 1-2, and two, I was perfectly content. Now, with that being said... We have to talk about the five-game road trip. This five-game road trip coming up is going to be very important. And the most important person, I believe, in this five-game road trip is going to be our stud of the week. Let's do it. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week is stand by your man, Marcus Morris. Once again, 15-9, 17-5, 23-6 this past week. Yes, I know Kyrie had a couple great games, but all three of them weren't great. And is Kyrie back? No. Shot 55% from three over the last three games Marcus Morris did. Really, the only reason why the Celtics were able to catch back up to the Pacers the other night that could have been a blowout especially in the first quarter since the starters couldn't literally hit the ocean if they were standing in it Marcus Morris brought them back now the stud this I mean I'm sorry the dud this week is Marcus Smart Marcus Smart obviously got a big contract four-year 52 million dollars and you could do a lot of things with your money you really can you can buy a car you can buy a house you can buy friends 
maybe some new sneakers, a new haircut, maybe some jewelry, or buy a producer, pay a couple of your rap buddy friends, and make a song called 52M, aka $52 million, Marcus Morris made, I'm sorry, Marcus Smart made a rap song, and he made a music video, and here's a clip of it. I can't believe I'm playing this. It's terrible. Why did you have to do this, Marcus Smart? Why? 52 mil, that's a new deal. 13 a year, nigga, look how I live. Penthouse sweet, nigga, that's a new feel. Bought the top floor because I need the room. Walking closet for my Gucci and lose. Red bottoms, but I'm rocking that blue. Ice on my neck and it's keeping me cool. So yeah, there you have it. Marcus Smart rapping with Trey Rich and I Am Compton in a song called 52M. Literally, he made a rap song about how he made a lot of money. You're better than this, Marcus. Do better, Marcus Smart. Do better. All right, let's talk about this five-game road trip. A couple tough games for this basketball team, and I, I'm hoping they come out of it 3-2, and two, hoping 4-1, and one, and the only loss that they have here is against the Pacers from Saturday night with that insane Victor Oladipo shot right at the end of the game. First game up, or should I say second game up of the road trip, is against the Denver Nuggets. Going to be tonight, 9 p.m. Currently, they're 8-1. The Nuggets are no joke. They're the second best team in the West based on a record. And Joe, Ch- and Joe Kick is going to be a problem. He has been one of the best players in the league, and Al Horford is going to have his hands full. Right now, he's averaging 18 points, 10 boards, and 7 assists a game. That's nuts for a, a big man. He can shoot the ball well. He can spread the floor very well. He's great off the pick and roll. Al Horford is going to need to play one of his best defensive games of the year. Better than he did. He's probably going to have to play like he did against Joel Embiid. Now, I know Joel Embiid went off in that 76ers game, but it took him a lot of shots to get to his point total. And I believe that if Al Horford can control that, everything else will work out. I know a lot of people are going to be curious if we get to see Mr. No Thank You himself, a.k.a. Isaiah Thomas, a.k.a. Where is your brink truck? I don't see it. I don't know why I just said that or came up with that little jingle, but I'm going to continue to do that little jingle every single time I talk about Isaiah Thomas. He is still out with his hip injury. He will not be playing in this game. Hopefully we get to boo him. I mean, see him at TD Garden in March. When he returns on Thursday, 9 p.m., they're playing the Phoenix Suns. Let's hope Devin Booker doesn't play because we all remember when Devin Booker dropped 70 points against the Celtics. I I will say that I am looking forward to seeing the number one draft pick DeAndre Ayton play again. Al Horford's going to have his hands full. Another great athletic center who's been playing very well. I think he's averaging over 16 points a game. It's going to be a, a fun game to watch, especially between those two. And then we can always see that Josh Jackson versus Jason Tatum matchup. Obviously, Jason Tatum's having a better career than him so far. But remember, Josh Jackson was someone supposedly that didn't want to work out for the Celtics and then kind of did want to work out for the Celtics back and forth a couple years ago at the NBA draft. Obviously, I'm super pumped that Danny took Jason Tatum over Josh Jackson because Josh Jackson's career hasn't been really that ideal. He's been doing all right, but obviously Tatum's ceiling is through the roof, if you will. And then on Friday, Gordon Hayward returns 930 to Utah. 930 game, Gordon Hayward back in Utah. How will the Jazz fans respond to him? Is Are they over it because it's been a year because he got hurt last year with that gruesome injury? Are they going to be like, hey, you know, we loved you. We're sorry about your ankle, but boo. Or, hey, we love you. Sorry about your ankle, and thanks for everything that you did, and give him a cheer. If I was a Jazz fan, I'd definitely clap and boo at the same time. 
Yep, absolutely. You know, like when IT comes back, I'm, I'm not going to the game. I would boo him, but also golf clap him at the same time because what he did in that one year was incredible, but the way that he acted after it was childish, and that's why I'd boo him. But Gordon Hayward didn't act childish at all. He didn't do a surprising move. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Utah Jazz fans welcome Gordon Hayward. Also, always excited to see Donovan Mitchell. I thought he should have won Rookie of the Year last year. Yes, I know Jason Tatum might have, but it was really between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. And I believe that Donovan Mitchell was a rookie, not Ben Simmons, but again, that's a different question for a different podcast. He's averaging over 22 points a game this year, and don't forget about Joe Ingles. He's on my fantasy basketball team. He's a good shooter. They can't leave him open. The The communication has to be on point against this Jazz team. Their offense is really good. Their defense is as good as the Celtics, if not better, especially with Rudy Gobert. It will be interesting to see how Kyrie attacks the hoop when Rudy Gobert is just standing there waiting for him, and Quinn Snyder is one of the top five best coaches in the NBA, maybe even top three. He's a great, great coach and has brought the Utah Jazz a lot of success when Gordon Hayward was there and after. So keep an eye out on that. Oh, and then also, I I forgot, Jay Crowder plays on that team as well. And I think we can all just take a moment and just say, yes, Jay Crowder's contract was great. But he we overhyped him as Celtics fans. We overhyped him just because he had a good contract He's an okay player. He sucked in Cleveland. He's doing okay in Utah. But let's let's all admit that we just were a little bit too positive about Jay Crowder. And then finally, Trailblazers, Sunday night. Going to be a tough game. Yes, I understand they just lost to the Lakers, but Damian Lillard has been playing lights out, shooting the ball unbelievably well. He is top three scoring in the league right now. Kyrie cannot defend him. I'll tell you that right now. I know Kyrie's defense has quote-unquote improved this year but end of the day you got to put Jalen on him put Kyrie on CJ McCollum and call it a day that's what the Celtics have to do I think they can beat the Nuggets I really do obviously you know the the air in Denver is a little bit different but remember the Celtics are deep and they can so if a couple guys are tired and, and you need some oxygen guess what the Celtics are deep enough to do it but it's really all depending on Al Horford I expect them to beat the Suns and the Jazz and then the Trailblazers will be iffy but I will say this this team cannot go 2 and 3 on this road trip because that means it'd be 8 and 6 14 games in and then they got a three game home stand against the Bulls the Raptors and the Jazz the Bulls game you win, but again, if we don't have a lot of faith faith against the Raptors and we don't have a lot of faith against the Jazz when we just, you know, we we could lose to them twice in a matter of a week, ugh, that's not good. We would then be like 9 and 8 and we should be like 11 and 4, you know, not we should be like 12 and 5, 11 and 6, not 9 and 8. So, this road trip is going to be big for the Celtics and they need to pull out some good good wins against some good, good teams. And then finally, I, I'm i starting a new job today, um, and I'm very excited about it, and I am leaving something that I cared a great deal about, and I am so thankful for my House of Blues box office staff. I cannot thank them enough for this incredible gift that they gave me the other day. Um, check this out. It's really, really cool, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I can. I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna end the podcast. So again, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, all your favorite podcast apps. That is where you can find the Banner Banter Podcast. Facebook, Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. 
Twitter at BannerBanter18. Thank you guys so much again for listening. This is episode 14. It's going to be another exciting week of Celtics basketball, and we'll be back next week recapping everything, giving you all the up-to-dates, all the up-to-date news, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you guys again. Please tell your family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, strangers about this podcast. I just hit the 1,500 listen mark. I'm so thankful for our, all the support and the listens. Keep it going. And if you guys want a T-shirt, I'm going to be ordering some more. Please let me know at bannerbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. And thanks again to my box office staff for sending me this incredible video. Love you guys. Talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. What's up, Timmy? It's Brian Scalabrini, a.k.a. Scal, a.k.a. The White Mamba. Here to congratulate you, man. I heard you got a new job at the TV Garden. So here's the deal. You got to make sure you introduce yourself to me because... I'm always looking for uh, more connections at the Garden. Tons of events there. I don't know if you know, but the Celtics play there. And uh, they're going to be pretty good this year. No, I'm just joking. I got my own little deal. But uh, this is a shout-out from your coworkers. And they, they just want to congratulate you on, on getting the job. And we, they know that you love the Celtics. And they know that you have the best Celtic podcast called Banner Banter. So... Timmy, keep doing your thing, man. Congratulations. Keep grinding. People are recognizing you as a guy who is, um, like, they look up to and a guy who is, is getting it done and accomplishing his goals and dreams. So, Timmy, keep it up. When you're at the garden, come by, say hello, slip me your email address. I'll hit you up for tickets. Hey, Timmy, I need uh, five for uh, Monday night. So, you'll be, able, you'll be able to hook me up with that. So, Timmy, once again, congratulations. Co-workers sending you a major, major shout-out. And uh, thanks for being a huge fan. I know this year is going to be an awesome year for the Seas. Hopefully, it's an awesome year for you. All right, Timmy, I'm out. See you at the Garden. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Good night.